0: no doubt. And the song we've just sung, Knowing You, Jesus, really does make the difference. It is what brings centeredness to us, it's what brings a sense of constancy to us, a fixed point around which we might build our lives, around which you might build your life. You know, loss can be a positive thing in certain contexts. When we think about weight loss, that can be a positive, right? Uh, Maybe you had a certain relationship in your life that was somewhat toxic. Uh, You might know the positive benefits of having uh, that toxic relationship uh, lost in your life. But, of course, we know more often loss feels and seems very painful to us. We are experiencing a lot of loss in our world today, and in your life, I'm sure you have sensed it, and it comes with grieving, no doubt. Uh, There's been a loss of significant events uh, that many of us are grieving and have been grieving for weeks and months, and uh, events that are not even uh, coming for many months, Uh, things like vacations or other travel. The Olympics and other sporting uh, seasons have been canceled and lost. Uh, weddings have been postponed, elective surgeries have been postponed, uh, memorial services have been postponed. This is really hard. Uh, high school graduations have been uh, canceled or trying to be reclaimed in different ways. Uh, there's so many other things that, that we have lost in our world today, and it's very difficult for us uh, to deal with the, the disappointment that comes with loss, but that is what God does, is God is a support in the midst of our difficult seasons. You know, God never promised that uh, we would not go through difficult times or hardship in our life. His promise has always been that He will be present with you if you're paying attention. And present with you, even when you don't feel it, present with you, even if you don't sense God's presence. His promise is that He will go with you through darkened valleys and guide you through to the other end. There's loss in our relational separateness. Uh, there's a sense of loss out of the relationships uh, that are uh, not the same frequency, not in the same rhythm as they once were. Of course, the virus around the world is literally causing a loss of life and a loss of well meaning well being. And loss leaves us feeling empty. There's no question about it. It leaves us hurting, and it leaves us. But here's what I want you to remember about where God is and what he does out of the passage that we're going to focus on today. And it's this is that God comes into the emptiness of loss and he fills that emptiness. God wants to fill the empty spaces of life. In fact, God meets you in the midst of your loss, God will come and comfort you in the midst of your loss. God wants you to look toward Him, to cry out toward Him, to share your burden of loss with Him. And he has promised to be there with you along the way. Today we're going to look at Elijah's life. The great Old Testament prophet Elijah. And how his life moved into a place where he felt empty. Where he was uh, feeling and sensing a season of real loss and disappointment. That things were not uh, turning out the way he had hoped. And there was a real loss of that. And where God met Elijah and what we learn from that encounter with Elijah. Would you turn in your Bibles to uh, chapter 19 of the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to read just a portion of this, but chapters 17, 18, and 19 really give a a good uh, bit of Elijah's life and ministry and help us understand him. Something now significant has happened. the, the country where he lived uh, was once a country that where the people loved and looked to God. They've now switched their allegiance. They are uh, worshiping uh, idols and other uh, other things. There are leaders, Ahab and Jezebel, who are leading the people uh, down a path of destruction spiritually, uh, morally, and, and always really. And here's where we pick up the, the scripture uh, uh, Elijah's already had an encounter with them, and uh, he's now persona non grata, uh, according to the uh, the royal family there. Uh, it says, Ahab, the king, told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow... I do not take, make your life, Elijah, like one of them. Verse 3 says Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. "'Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors.' Then he lay down under the tree, and he fell asleep. In verse 9, we pick up the story. "'And the word of the Lord came to him. "'What are you doing here, Elijah?' He replied, "'I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty.' The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out, stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. We'll pause there for a moment. Lord, we we pray that this day you would guide us, Holy Spirit, into hearing what you would have us hear, into responding in the way of faith. A faithful response to you, God. We ask that you would grow us, that you would draw us nearer to yourself and guide us in your ways. Meet us, we pray today, in the midst of our losses, in the midst of our grief. May we know that you come and fill the empty spaces left behind with loss. We ask it now in the name of Jesus together. Amen. Amen. You see, um, Elijah's at a very empty place. Elijah's at a very low place, and he finds at the end of this passage, we haven't quite gotten there, but that God fills the empty spaces. You see, at the end of, of this passage, we find Elijah being restored to the Lord. He's recommissioned back to fulfill the calling that God had for his life. God sends him back to the people. He sends him to others. God reminds him that he is not alone, and he reminds Elijah that God has not stopped Working in that place, working among those people because he still loved them and was calling them to his purposes. You see, Elijah, before all of that happens, though, in this moment that we've just read, he is dealing with disappointment. He is dealing with the loss that comes with uh, all of the events of his life. And he will discover again that God fills empty spaces. God fills empty spaces In those early verses, it says Elijah was afraid and ran for his life, and he prayed that he might die. He said, Lord, I've had enough. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Can you see it? He's gone to Beersheba, the southernmost city in all of Judah, And he's gone an extra day's journey all by himself out into the desert. He sits down under a broom tree, one of the few places of shade in the desert. He's gone out to literally lay in the sand and to die. He is so empty and low and feeling the devastating sense of loss in his life. And he says, Lord, you might as well take my life because I'm no use to you and I'm doing no good in this place and among these people. He is feeling his loss so very deeply. He is at a lonely place. Loss is what he considered his mission being a failure. And this is so interesting because if you were to track the story of Elijah, you would know that God has already done amazing things in his life. Elijah, above all people, should know that God is not done with him. And even though things didn't quite turn out the way Elijah expected, that God was not finished and uh, that maybe that's like your life too. Uh, Elijah was directed by God to go to a remote area uh, of, beside a stream, and and God sent kind of like a uh, GrubHub. He sent birds, ravens, the Bible says, to deliver food and meat and bread to him. And those were God's delivery service. It's this amazing story of him out in the, the loneliness of solitude, and God providing for him in that need. And and as the the drought in that land worsened. The stream by which he was living dried up. And God sends him to a widow. And and one of the great stories of the scripture is this widow and her son are about to have their last meal. She has ingredients to cook one final meal. And Elijah has the audacity to ask her to feed him a little bit as well. And he gives this promise that if she would step out in faith. And to provide him with some of their food that throughout the drought. And her bottle of oil and her... Uh, supply uh, of bread making material would not be exhausted and guess what happened that's exactly what came to pass so Elijah's already seen God deliver food through birds, deliver food through this widow and then he goes to probably his most famous moment in all of the scripture for Elijah he goes up to Mount Carmel and he challenges the prophets uh, of Baal, the, the idol Baal uh, in that land, and challenges them to a great standoff and, and inviting whichever God was real and powerful to come and show up with fire and to consume the uh, the offering left there. And, of course, the prophets of Baal do their thing and nothing happens. The prophets of God, Elijah himself, comes and he prays over his offering and fire from heaven falls. And uh, uh, we see uh, all of these events That's a great story. We'll have to preach about that another day. But uh, leading up to this moment in chapter 19, Elijah's already seen God do all of these amazing things in his life. And yet after all of that, when Jezebel threatens his life, he again flees. And he is at the low point of his life, ready to just cash it all in. Because he feels his life is utterly worthless. He is overwhelmed and he is defeated By this sense of loss. And he seeks a renewed sense of reassurance from God. I don't know if Elijah really wanted to die. Or if he just needed a fresh touch from God. But whatever it was. God showed up in the midst midst of his emptiness. And God met him in that empty space. And we will see and look at just how he does that. You know there have been times in my life where I have sensed and needed a God's renewal in my life. Um, and I could go all the way back to being in college, seeking out in desperate ways, crying out for God, a sense of renewal and His presence in my life. My first ministry job after college, there were moments when I cried out for God. Uh, after that ministry job, I was unemployed for a season in Southern California. And I cried out to God that He would provide for me, and, and that I would sense... Uh, His close and abiding presence in my life because I didn't always feel that way. And and when I moved to Mill Valley so many years ago, I cried out to God that He would hold me in the midst of, of having almost nothing to my name and asking Him to provide work and to provide sustenance for me. And I know what it is in my life to seek reassurance from God. I was comforted uh, a few years ago to hear more about the life of Billy Graham, one of my great heroes in the faith, and to learn early in his ministry, he came to a point of needing God's reassurance in his life. He he was preaching these crusades and, and watching God's Spirit move in the lives of people, but there was still a question in his mind about whether he would really trust the scripture, and that the scripture was authoritative for life. And that God worked through the Bible to call uh, people to himself and to speak to people. And, and he was out walking in the hills around Southern California. And he prayed and he finally said, uh, God, I will need some reassurance. And uh, he just made up his mind that he was going to step forward uh, in faith and trust that the scripture was true. And that's from that point forward that the significant part of his ministry was. Really blossoms. But he too was seeking out a reassuring moment from God in that day of his life. And maybe you too have found yourself in these days seeking God to reassure you and needing a sense that in the midst of your loss and you're struggling with the sense of loss, uh, you're wondering uh, where God is in the midst. But I want you to know, I want to remind you, I want to tell you today, my friend, that God desires to meet you in the empty spaces of your life. God desires to meet you in the emptiness of your loss. God desires to meet you and to hold you in the disappointment that you feel, in the fear that you feel, in the uncertainty that is facing you. Maybe you've lost a job today or you're uncertain about the numbers of hours that you're going to have. God wants to meet you in the midst of your emptiness today, the emptiness of unknown and what is to come. You see, Elijah... He is traveling now on an unfamiliar road, just like you and I are traveling on an unfamiliar road. But it's on this unfamiliar road that he encounters God in an unexpected way. Isn't that the way God works? I think it is. Is that our lives are never a constant straight line anywhere? How dull would that be? How lack of alertness do we have? You see, it's in when, when we come around a curve of life or go over a hill that we can't quite see over, that our senses are alerted, our spiritual antennas are raised, and we are anticipating where God might be present. And it's on unfamiliar terrain where we meet and encounter God often in the most unexpected, the most beautiful, and the deepest and richest ways than you ever will in your life. Read the stories of saints of old, and you'll find often their sense of deep spiritual faith was emerged out of a time and a season of great challenge, just like you're facing today, just like we are sharing together. It's out of Elijah's unfamiliar road that he's traveling that he has an unexpected encounter with the living God. God asks him a question. God asked the question two different times. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? I don't know all what that question means. I have a feeling it has layers to it. I'm not sure it just means about why are you located on this piece of geography. I'm not sure that that's all it means. I wonder if God's asking a deeper question. Elijah, how did you get here spiritually? Elijah, how did you get to this place emotionally? But the question is... How, Elijah, did you get here? You see, we often have questions for God, don't we? Especially when times are difficult. Elijah didn't even ask a question. He just goes out in the desert and says, God, I'm ready to die. He's just ready to give it all up. But you and I, when we face difficult times in our life, we often have questions. But I want you to know that God also has his own questions for you. And the question for Elijah... Is the same question that God asks you at times. What are you doing here? What are you doing here in this space? Perhaps you're someone who's walked with God for a lot of years and you've seen God work in significant ways and For whatever has happened in recent memory, you've kind of lost sight of that. You've you've forgotten some of the ways that God has moved and strength in your life. And today is a day that God wants to rekindle those memories and and to refurbish your faith so that you can walk with Him in clarity again. You see, we often have questions about our difficulties and our hardships and the disappointments that come with loss. But God also wants to ask you today, what are you doing here And that's an invitation for us, for you constantly, to let God examine your life, to let Him uh, answer questions, to let you ask of yourself as well. Why am I feeling this way? Why am I responding to this issue this way? What, What is this that's coming out of me that's unexpected? Maybe you don't like it so much. It's an opportunity when God asks, why are you here? Or what are you doing here? It's a chance for you to reflect on where are you placing your hope? Have you placed your hope in in your family's ability to take care of you or in your marriage? Uh, Have you placed your hope in your retirement account or in your job to provide? Or are you placing your hope in the living God? You see, unfamiliar roads, they expose us, they make us feel vulnerable so that in many ways we are more alert and in tune to what God wants to do in us. And he's asking some questions, I believe of your life and mine during these days? Will you listen for the questions? Will you take the time that God might be inviting you to reflect on your life? Will you examine the conclusions that you're making about situations in light of God's presence, in light of what His Bible says, in light of what He has promised about the future? Do you allow your conclusions about events of your life, even today's events, Or events two years ago or events 20 years from now allow the scripture and God's work in the past to help inform your conclusions. You see, God meets you in the empty spaces. God will meet you in your questions for sure, but God wants to meet you in the questions that he has for you. What are you doing here? Where is God in the midst of this? You see, God has a question for Elijah. Elijah. And I think he has questions for you and me today as well. But then we find that God whispers to Elijah. God shows up in a really unusual way, an unexpected way. Elijah, like us, is on an unfamiliar uh, journey. He's on an unfamiliar road. And he meets God in an unexpected way. God asks a question twice. And now he comes and he shows up with a whisper. He shows up in a whisper, and I love the examining. I had fun looking at the different ways that English Bible translations translate this particular word. It's it's an interesting word in in Hebrew. Uh, The King James, uh, I didn't even realize this, but that's the way the King James translates It's the way that I still remember. It's the way I've learned this verse. And it translates it this way, that God spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice. Voice. That's a really good way of capturing what was happening in this moment. Another translation says that God uh, met Elijah in a gentle whisper. A different translation says a low whisper. Still another says sheer silence. It was in the sheer silence that God's presence was known to Elijah. The Hebrew dictionary would describe it also as a thin. Silence. Think about that for a minute. A thin silence. A subdued sound. You know, it's tempting for us, for me at least, to look for God in the dramatic, right? And I love the fact. That God shows up, there's this huge wind that comes by, and this wasn't just the blow the hat off your head and ruffle your skirt kind of wind. This was the kind of wind that would make the the hurricane flag stand up straight, hardly even flutter because the wind is blowing so hard against it. But God is not in the wind. And then he shows up in an earthquake. And this isn't a gentle rolling of, of maybe an aftershock. This is the kind of earthquake that would make you dive under the table or go sprinting for the doorway out of protective uh, preservation for yourself. But God is not in the earthquake. And then this consuming fire comes burning through the mountain. But God is not in the fire. But it was only in this still small voice, this thin silence. Silence where Elijah encounters the presence of God. And he wraps his cloak around his face because he knows their understanding of God is to see God face to face means death. I don't think Elijah really wanted to die. So he wraps his cloak around his face and he goes, stands out in the face of the cave so that he can stand and be with God. You see, we often have a tendency to look for God in the dramatic. And we like to tout the miraculous ways that we see God. And and that is right and good because we need to rejoice in how we see God work. But I think often, maybe more often, at least equally often, God is just as present in the stillness as He is in the sensational. God is just as present in the still moments of life as He is in the sensational things of life. You see, it's in the thin silence. It's in the thin spaces of life. Sometimes even in our emptiness. Empty of sound. Empty of commotion. Empty. God will need us in our emptiness. How often might we miss God's work in our lives because we don't take the time to simply be still with God? How often do we miss the still, small voice of God Because we have not slowed down enough to be with him, to listen, to let him examine our thoughts about him and about our love for other people. You see, God meets us in empty spaces. I wonder if in a time like this, as we deal with the loss of important activities in our lives, of events that have been canceled or postponed, that's really hard. I wonder if, as we're seeking solutions to the problem out there, dealing with the virus and the economy, and all of that is good and needs to be sought. But in addition to that, I wonder if God maybe wants us to pay closer attention to what He wants to do in here, in your life, in the interior of your life. And maybe your life is slowed to a point on purpose, so that God can actually do something in your life now, that he's not been able to do in recent weeks or months or years because of your busyness, because of the frantic quality of your living. And this is something we all share, that maybe this is an opportune moment, even a gift for you to allow God to examine, to allow God to ask you some questions. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? In your life, God wants to meet you in the empty spaces. He wants to examine your life. You see, God's not done. That's what Elijah found out. That God wasn't done. In fact, Elijah wasn't alone as he thought. He said, God, I'm the only one left. And God said, no, there are thousands more you don't even know about. (laughs) Isn't that just the way? God encourages Elijah. He restores him. He, He recommissions him. And he sends Elijah back into ministry for him. And the stage is now set after all that's happened. The stage will be set then for God to do something new in Elijah's world. And I wonder what new thing God is going to do in our world in the days and weeks and months ahead. Because I believe God's not abandoned us. I believe God is still right here. I believe God is still working. And I believe God wants to work through and in His church to continue to bring healing To the world. So, how will you open yourself to God in the midst of your loss today? I want to invite you to consider that question today to bring your hurting heart, to bring your bruised spirit into the loving hands of Jesus in the midst of a disrupted season at home. Would you make time, set aside time to be with God in ways maybe you've not done in a long time or maybe never before? God operates in regular stillness, and He invites you to listen closely. He gives that to you as a gift. But it's a habit that needs to be cultivated by you, and it's something that can be jump-started even today. To set aside some time, and to go and sit with your Bible, to sit with a quiet heart, and ask God to let you know that He's with you. Living God, we thank you for your good love of our lives. We thank you for the good reminder through Elijah that you hold him, that you met him in his empty spaces when uh, he was in the midst of his loss. He was at the low end of his life. You met him yet again, even after all you had already done in his life and through his life. You reassured him that he was not alone. You reassured him that you were not finished working even when things felt uh, lost and empty for him. You reassured him that you were still working in his life and through his life for the joy of your kingdom's work on this earth. And God, I believe it's still true today that you are still working, that you are not done in our world, that you are not done in our lives, that you hold our sense of loss today. God, help us to surrender that to you. Help us to, to bring our hurting hearts and our bruised spirits to you today and to say, God, this is where I hurt. This is where I'm so disappointed and where I'm frustrated. And I give the sense of loss to you, God. And I ask that you would hold in and hold me in the midst of it and help me to hang on to you, that you would be my fixed point and that I would turn nowhere else for my deep sense of stability in life because you are the only thing that's utterly unchanging throughout history. So it is upon you we can stand and stand assured. So this day I pray for anyone hearing my voice that they would recommit themselves to finding space in their life to be still with you, to find that thin, that thin silence Which you fill with your presence. And you speak to us. And you hold us in it. So God be real to us this day. Pour out your spirit upon us this day. And lead us into things that that are so unexpected ahead. And may we be faithful in all of our responses to you now we pray. In the name and for the sake of Jesus who loves us so dearly.